the grass isn't greener on the other side, the grass is greener where you water it. Hmm. And so Joe has always taken the initiative in watering our relationship. He has not left the relationship up to me. He's taken ownership of our relationship. Hi, you're listening to the Zantaler Podcast. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make, but one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Zantaler podcast, where our goal is to help you thrive on your homeschooling journey. Let me take just a minute to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And if this podcast has been encouraging to you, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us. We're available on YouTube now, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we have even more content and great reels. So today I have a very special guest with me my husband, Joe. We just celebrated another anniversary, and we want to talk about marriage. Marriage has been under attack in our culture, and we have had many years of marriage, most of them happy, as Joe says. And so we have three children and eight grandchildren and many years of marriage. So we want to talk today about how to keep your marriage strong, especially as homeschooling families, I think homeschooling can introduce a whole new level of stress into a marriage, and it can be your greatest joy if you learn to work at it. So welcome, Joe. Oh, it's great to be here. So Zan and I really enjoy uh, speaking on marriage at conferences. Um, It's always great to look out and see couples sitting there side by side, and sometimes as we talk and tell stories, you'll see one of them elbow the other one. Uh, <laughs> so that's always a lot of fun. So I wanted to start because Joe and I have recently celebrated an anniversary. And it seems like the more we talk to couples, the more stress we realize they're under because of the culture, because we have a lack of really reverence or respect for marriage today. And so we just wanted to share from our hearts what our marriage has been like. Joe and I got married. I was 21. He was 22. I had just graduated from college. Uh, I had been committed to definitely to a career, and Joe ruined my plans when he um, proposed to me. 
because he was my best friend. I couldn't imagine life without him, but I'd always said there were two things I'd never do in life, teach or have kids. So God really worked in my heart and just let me know that he was calling me to be a wife and a mother at that point in my life. And so Joe and I got married. I, like I say, I just graduated from college. Joe had a year left. And we were really committed to having a marriage that honored Christ. And it's good to have those visions and goals. And then you get into the marriage itself. We waited nine months after we got married to have children. So because Joe and I had such a great relationship, we had been such close friends for four years when we got married. I really felt like the marriage was no adjustment. But then we had children so early. And that was a huge adjustment. Um, I can remember, and then I'm, I want Joe to talk for a few minutes, but I can remember when we, uh, it, we it was at a bridal shower and my old youth director, uh, my former youth director gave a devotional marriage. And she said something that just shouted at me. She said, marriage is really hard work. At this point, our relationship was so good and we were looking so forward to marriage. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that marriage was hard work. And then you have kids and you really realize the work is just beginning. And so something you say, Joe, that means so much to me is that the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Hmm. And so Joe has always taken the initiative in watering our relationship. He has not left the relationship up to me. He's taken ownership of our relationship and makes sure that things are going well and when they're not, he really helps to correct those things. So I do want to say that marriage is hard work and you have to commit yourself to it and you have to water that grass. But you also need to take time to enjoy each other in the midst of homeschooling and little children and all the financial responsibilities, everything you're juggling, you've got to stop and enjoy each other. So this really came home to me. We were at a national homeschooling conference and they had, um, there was a pastor who spoke on marriage and he made everyone take this love test. It kind of drove Joe crazy because it was uh, the thing where they, he asked, do you love your wife more today than you loved yesterday? Well, the, that's really not the terms in which Joe thinks. So, so you want to tell him about the love test? Yeah. So I think the love test had, had kind of, you know, bizarre questions from my perspective because they were, you know, how life is. I mean, you have good days of ups and days of downs and asking a question like, do you love your wife more today than yesterday? I knew these uh, questions would be shared publicly and these answers may be shared publicly. So I answered uh, according to what I knew the answer should be. Um, <laughs> that didn't work out too well for me in school, but I knew on the love test it would work out. So we uh, we were sitting around the table was that evening at dinner after taking the love test earlier that morning. And everybody was sharing uh, how they did on the love test. And everybody looked at me and said, hey. Well, all the men had failed. <laughs> Miserably. Steve and Jim said, okay, Tyler, we failed the love test. How'd you do? So we made like a 92 or something. We <laughs> aced the love test. So Zan and I had a great uh, afternoon together, whereas these other couples were busy um, hashing out all their issues. So the funny thing was, 
they looked at Joe a- a- after we had had this discussion about him pass he, him acing the love test and they failed it. They said, Tyler, how did you ace that love test? And he said, we've been married long enough to know when to lie and when to tell the truth. Yes. <laughs> I guess so. I guess that means temporary mutual lying for the greater good is well, okay. Well, I think the moral of that story is there are times to really work out things in your marriage. And there are times to really enjoy each other. Yeah. And we were on a trip away from our children, which didn't happen much. And we just wanted to have fun with each other. Right. Yeah. We weren't interested in any uh, marriage uh, psychology at that point. It's funny. uh, Later on, uh, as we would get a babysitter, um, we would um, decide up front over dinner, okay, we're going to talk about the kids or not because... Um, it's easy to spend your every uh, minute, that's right, instead of dating. And uh, I think husbands need to really continue to pursue their wives. Um, Christian men especially work so hard at this early on, and then um, they get married, and then they stop dating, and uh, that makes no sense. Now, I know it's a challenge. It's a challenge if you have a bunch of kids, um, and trying to figure out, you know, how to work that out. Hopefully you'll have relatives nearby, but if you find yourself in the situation where you don't, I bet you that you've got close friends that have the same predicament. Um, and no doubt you can switch off, but there's one other option too, is to find a, uh, usually a teenager that can drive is a great, uh, cost efficient way to, uh, continue to date your wife because uh, they they make great babysitters. So, you know, one thing I did this year was after our anniversary, I decided I would sit down and write the things, write out the 10 top things that I love most about Joe. Um, and I would encourage you to do those things. So here, here is what I wrote down. Um, his sense of humor because I tend to overthink everything and take everything seriously. Um, I learned how to laugh, relax, and tell a story from Joe. He is truly the definition of a servant leader. He is always putting everyone else in the family first. Um, He has been faithful, supportive. He loves to travel. He loves nature. I was always an inside girl until I married Joe, and he's taught me the beauty of nature. I love that he's taught Sunday school and Bible studies on marriage and family and that he's an elder in our church. Uh, And, you know, I just, I love that he has studied me. He talks about studying your wives and knowing love language and knowing spiritual gifts and knowing what makes me tick. So I just want to thank you for all of those things. And I want to encourage you as women to take time out to, to write down what it was that attracted you to your husband in the beginning and what you love about him. Because we have a tendency to blame our husbands for everything that goes wrong in our lives. And we can't do that. We need to learn um, to trust in the Lord. Our husbands aren't God. They can't read our minds as much as we think they should be able to read our minds. And, um, And they're not our girlfriends either. So I just I just want to encourage you 
to um, to really love your husbands and respect your husband, just like you want to be loved and respected then. Wow. Thanks. Um, I, I don't know that I deserve all those, but, um, you know, the uh, thing that drew me to you, other than your basic good looks, <laughs> um, was your personality. Um, and I was initially a, attracted to you right right from the beginning and um i really i really i remember in the early days of our just getting to know you in college i really hoped that you uh in a way were everything that i imagined you to be and the more i got to know you the more i loved you and that's why after uh a couple of years at at Furman, where you were just my best friend um, I just knew that I had to know if you had any interest in me at all. I knew you did as a friend, but, uh, like you say, you were busy focused on your career and your future and all that. Um, and I, I was busy balancing the bell curve. So you stayed up all the time studying, saying, uh, was a real extrovert and just love spending time with people. And so her answer to staying an A student while she was spending all this time with Bible study, folks traveling around and having fun, was she'd get back to Furman and just stay up all night to keep her grades up. So that was that side of the bell curve. So I was busy on the other side of the bell curve. Me and my buddies played golf almost every day because we could walk to the golf course right behind the Furman campus. You can play baseball. And I played college baseball. So I was busy balancing the bell curve. If it w- I put you where you are. If it wasn't for people like me, you wouldn't be. The- I mean, think about it. How would they differentiate if everybody was an A student? It'd be a real mess. So I did my part. But um, I tell you, I, I, the thing that um, I love about you the most is your walk with Christ. I know that you're always centered there, and I know now and then, uh, like anybody, you have your ups and down days, but I know that you love the Lord, and I know that God will continue to work in your heart. You know, I think somebody gave us the advice, and it's good advice when you're um, looking for a spouse, I guess, looking for a husband or wife, to run hard after Jesus. And when you turn and look beside you and you find somebody running right there with you, yeah, that may be the person for you. And I, I think that really does define our relationship, you know, because we were both pursuing the Lord. You know, it's interesting. I was just looking through some verses this morning about marriage. And there's that one where right after uh, God creates woman, um, he commands the man to leave and cleave. And you were talking earlier about how you had to leave your preconceptions about what your future would be. You right. To, well, I had to leave a, I had to leave my vision for my life, yeah, and I yeah. had worked so hard on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to leave that and pick up a new vision. Yeah. And I think it's important. You know, I, I just think it's important that you stay in tune with the Lord because sometimes we're traveling down one path, just like Paul. Was going to Saul was going down one path and God knocked him off his That's horse right. and uh, called him to Christ. So. Well, and for for my side, the thing I had to leave 
I think was my um, almost complacency about my future in a way. I was enjoying uh, college and being single and all that stuff. And the thing that a man has to leave is understanding that he will be providing for a family. And that's a big high calling scripturally. And he will be uh, required to leave and cleave. He'll be required to provide. He'll be required to, uh, you know, start all over again. I, th- I think sometimes kids, when they first get married, they won't, they assume that they're going to instantly have everything their parents had. And uh, the studies have shown really since World War II that when couples get married, it is not a uh, step up financially or any other way it's interesting my my mom and dad's generation though it was a step up when they got married daddy said they never had indoor plumbing uh either he nor his bride until they got married and they lived in an apartment it had central heat no longer had a pot belly stove so really it was so a step up when they got dad married. just so you know just turned 99 yeah so the man has lived a long time and has. has seen, you know, uh, a lot of things. Yeah, but we've, we've talked about it. I think kids today sometimes start their marriage and want to have everything their parents had right away without realizing where their parents started. And, uh, you know, that's right. But it's, it's an initial test of the relationship because the deal is for the, the sake of this intimate relationship, a husband and wife leave and cleave. They literally leave lots of things in order for the cleaving part, which is awesome. For the clinging part, yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a spiritual journey that, that Adam was on. Uh, it's a spiritual journey that uh, certainly everybody faces in their relationship. So one thing I want to us to talk about well it's funny because now that we have grown kids that have children of their own and we see how hard they're working with homeschooling and it's just life is just so crazy for them our life is a little crazy because we're traveling and working all the time and we love our grandkids and we spend an inordinate amount of time with them and so we're sometimes we feel like we're meeting ourselves coming and going but in the busy part of your marriage it is really easy to lose sight of each other. Mm. And so I just, one thing that somebody shared with me was that I needed every day um, just to take five or 10 minutes out of that day twice to pray for you. Now, this was in the day where people didn't work at home. Mm. And so, you know, and you traveled a lot. And so that was really important for me to keep your needs and in front of me and praying for you because it was easy for me to feel sorry for myself um, when I was home with the kids and you weren't coming home, even though I really appreciated your work and, and supporting us in homeschooling. But I will say that homeschooling, as we said earlier, introduces a whole new level of stress into a marriage. Mm. And you can choose to embrace that and work through it or you begin to resent each other. And the minute you begin to resent each other, you're going down this slippery, slippery slope. So we thought Joe and I would share, to keep it real, we thought we might share one of the, well, the biggest fight we ever had, which was over homeschooling, and the funniest fight we ever had. 
And um, because you just, when you live in proximity with somebody for over 40 years, you're going to have great times and you're going to have fights. Um, so after, though you, most of you know my story by now that I was threatened with jail when we started homeschooling. So that first year, I felt like I told the world we were homeschooling and we were committed to homeschool for one year just to get our, our oldest son ready for first grade at his prime. Well, then in the middle of the year, I really sensed the Lord is calling me, calling us to homeschool again. Um, Joe had been a reluctant homeschool dad. And um, so I think, what was your rousing um, like? You came, you came mess a kid up in five-year kindergarten. Yep. So, so that was how we got into homeschooling. That was my initial grand vision for home education. <laughs> was that? I couldn't mess up the kids too bad. But <laughs> he did tell me he loved me and he knew how much I loved the kids and he respected my walk with the Lord and he knew I was hearing from the Lord. So, um, so he was very supportive even though he thought I'd lost my mind. Uh, when we started homeschooling, nobody, we didn't know anybody in the world was homeschooling. And so we get to this second year of homeschooling and I had told his parents and my parents, his parents were not happy about us homeschooling. And so the only thing I told Joe, uh, the only thing I asked of him was that he tell his parents that we were going to homeschool the next year. I did not want to have to break the news to him. So he said, okay, I got it. So this is May. So we get to the end of June and I tell Joe, now remember, you need to tell your parents that we're homeschooling this year. This was the big deal. And okay, I got it. End of July. You know, your parents are taking a trip to Europe in a week. And when they come back, we'll have started homeschooling. And so um, I need you to tell them. Okay. So then I get a call from his mom saying, hey, we're having a surprise birthday party for Earl, Joe's dad, and we want y'all to come. It's the night before we're leaving. I said, oh, that'd be great. And I called Joe and I said, you have one night left to tell your parents we're homeschooling and now their surprise birthday party. And, um, and so he said, that's okay. We'll be at the party together. And then, I don't know, then he was going to stay and tell him. So then I get a call from Joe. You're not going to believe this. I've got clients in town from California and I can't be, I don't know when I'm going to get to the party. I said, okay, but you still got to tell them tonight. Yeah. I had to play golf with them. I said that. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Had you, to. you had to play golf. Yes. Ordered by my boss. That's right. And that was really true. <laughs> I'm sticking with that. That you would have been. <laughs> I'm sticking with that. <laughs> So we're getting ready. Ty and John are four and six or five and seven. And Ty was always the real gregarious one at that point. And John was quieter, which he is not now. But so I, I took John aside, I took Ty aside before we left. I said, Ty, there are two things we're not going to talk. We're not going to tell Granddaddy tonight. We'd gotten him a sweater. I said, when you hand him his present, don't say, Granddaddy, here's your sweater. Let him open it. And the second thing is we're not talking about where, where you, you guys are going to school next year. Well, why, Mama? We love homeschooling, Ty said. And I said, well, because, you know, you know that Grandmammy and Granddaddy are not crazy about homeschooling. And so we're going to let your dad tell him. Okay. So we get in the car. We go to Joe's parents' house, which is like five minutes from our house. And John says, um, little John, five-year-old sweet little John, says, Mommy, can I take Granddaddy's present in? I said, sure. So we go in. And there are 
50 people there in that. I mean, it seems like there are a thousand people there, but there were between 40 and 50 people there for this surprise birthday party. Earl comes out and he's surprised. And Joe John hands his present to Granddaddy and he says, Granddaddy, there are only two things I'm not supposed to tell you tonight. What we got you for your birthday and where we're going to school this year. <laughs> and so Ty speaks up and says, Granddaddy, why do you hate homeschooling so much? We all love it. And I'm there without Joe. So thankfully, Joe's sister, one of Joe's sister's friends, took the ball and ran with it and sort of turned the light off of us. But So see through John, I did tell him. <laughs> so I come back. I come back from playing golf about that time and I pull in the driveway and I look into the window. We're still at the party. Yeah, Zan and the boys are still at the party and we make eye contact. And it's sort of like when you're in the wild and you see a bear or mountain lion or something. They say, don't make eye contact. It was that scenario. Well, I made the mistake of making eye contact and I could read what was going on. I knew it was bad. I wasn't sure of the details. So I started walking toward the front of the house and Zan came running out by me and uh, got in the car and she's on the way out. She said something like, bring the boys home when the party's over or something. So she left and went home and I knew I was in trouble. Didn't know the full extent of it. So we, uh, I brought the boys home and decided to put them to bed. And I, it was the most spiritual putting to bed you've ever heard. You know, I think I told the whole biblical story starting in Genesis and uh, focused on how much the boys should love their mom and how great she is and all this kind of stuff. Very loud so she could hear me thinking, hey, maybe that'll, maybe, maybe something in there will, will uh, cause her to forgive this whole situation. By then, I knew what had happened. So after I put and it in was bed, bad. It was bad. It was bad. But you know, still not funny. But you know, if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. So waiting to the last minute in that situation created an avalanche of uh, pain and suffering. So me, <laughs> in me. So um, I decided to sit on the front porch we had these rocking chairs i decided to sit out there i thought distance may be the safer way to go and just kind of wait it out but i was wondering how long i was gonna have to wait uh so finally zan came out of the house went and got into the minivan of course we had the government issued minivan that all homeschoolers have and you know we're a conservative uh calvinistic uh, theological family. Of course, all of our closest friends have always been charismatic, but Zan gets in the car and basically speaks in tongues as she's beating on the steering wheel. In other words, whatever she was saying was inaudible and muffled due to the fact that the car doors were shut. And she drove off, and I wondered, will I ever see her again? <laughs> I thought, well, I know she loves the kids, and she didn't take her clothes with her, so this could end okay. So, so what I was thinking was, I just needed a little bit of space because I was so mad at Joe, and I wasn't at the point where I could even discuss it. But I couldn't let either of our parents know that we were fighting. I mean, I just figured this was between us. We didn't need to make this public. 
and it was about homeschooling that nobody was excited about anyway. And so, so you had no work. That's right. And so I couldn't afford a hotel room. Right. So, and I couldn't go to my parents' house. So kind of stuck. Yep. And um, so we. Um, so I was sitting there on the porch and I would continue to just sit there. And like probably 40, 30 minutes to an hour later, here comes the minivan back into the driveway. And I thought, oh, what's this going to be, you know? And uh, I was in my mind going through my top 10 list of excuses and, you know, pleading for forgiveness or whatever. And Sam gets out and, you know, comes back in the house like nothing happened. So I got up and went in there and I said, so... <laughs> well, where'd you go? I went to the grocery store um, and I walked around for a little bit, ate some chocolate. There you go. That's the key. Uh, chocolate was a key part of it, but I just, you know, I just knew that we didn't want to go to bed that angry and that I needed to forgive Joe. And <laughs> yeah, Some friend of ours has a little plaque over her sink that said, don't go to bed angry, stay up and fight. <laughs> We tried that a time or two, and I realized there was no benefit in that at all. No, because I have a lot more energy to fight. Than <laughs> That's right. You're more of a night person. Right. And if I fall asleep during the fight, that creates a brand new fight. So. But, but, you know, it is true with homeschooling because you've, got, you've, you've taken on so much as a family and so much as a mom that you are you know, you're just more tense or you, you, I don't know, there's something about responsibility that can weigh so heavy yeah. on you, especially just thinking the buck stops here. Yeah. And so. Well, especially in the early days of homeschooling in the eighties, it was like we were doing an experiment, like you were doing an experiment really, cause I wasn't doing much of the, if any of the instruction. Um, it's like you're doing this experiment for the first time that you've read about. With but, the whole world watching and hoping you'll fail. That's right. It's like Zan's friend said one time, you know, homeschooling is like building an ark in your backyard and hoping the neighbors won't notice. So um, that was what the early days of homeschooling but, but was like. But, you know, I still say that the hardest part about homeschooling is not all the legal stuff we went through, the threats, um, wondering when they were going to come to the door and take our kids. I mean, all of that stuff was stressful. But the most stressful part of homeschooling is knowing that the buck stops here mm. and that if my kids don't do well on the SAT, I can't blame the crummy algebra teacher yeah. I had, algebra one. Or if there's a character problem, I can't blame the kid they're sitting next to in school, that it's it's us, it's, it's me and you. And so it, it's really, that's the hard part of homeschooling. Mm. But if you can work through those times together with a united front, it makes your marriage stronger. Now, that does, doesn't mean there's not going to be conflict. There's going to be plenty of conflict. And you've just got to be, you know, the thing that Joe was so committed to was communication. He wouldn't, he'd say, what's wrong? I'd say, nothing. And he wouldn't let me get away with that. So somebody in the marriage has got to be committed to getting beneath the surface and figure out what's really going on so we'll share one more fight with you just because 
we, you know, marriage, marriage is made up of the good times and the bad times. And I think they can be equally important in cementing your relationship. So Joe was on the road a lot and he was home and we used to have just tons of people over all the time um, for dinners and support group meetings and those kinds of things. So we had a big crowd coming and for some reason that, and, and we worked great together as a team, but this day he decided he needed to tell me how to cook everything. And he's a project <laughs> manager by training and how I'd be a little more efficient and uh-huh. consider doing things <laughs> this way. So I didn't have time to fight. So I just thought, I need to remove myself from this situation for a minute. So I go back in the bedroom. <laughs> so she goes, <laughs> so I saw her go back in the bedroom. And I just, I don't know why. This day I, I was more ticked than usual. <laughs> yeah, that's and, not like you. <laughs> and, uh, yes, it is so contrary to my basic, uh, in a fallen nature. So I went back. And the door was shut and locked. And so I tried different levels of pleading with Sam. There was the angry, you know, strategy that wasn't working. Knocking loud wasn't working. Telling her I knew she was in there. Come out. You know, that wasn't working. So then I tried to be really sweet. And I apologize for everything I'd ever done in our marriage. It took a while. And uh, no comment still. So I said, I know what, I'm going to go unlock that friggin' door and get in there. So I went to the closet to get my tools and I found a screwdriver and it took me five or 10 minutes and I jimmied that door and got it open and went in there and she wasn't in the bedroom. And I looked in the bathroom and she wasn't in there and there was an open window. That's gone, had done, had gone out of the window. So then I thought, well, is she running around outside? And then I went back, and there she was in the kitchen, cooking and happy as she could be. All by myself, without <laughs> a running commentary of everything I should be doing to get Here ready. Here well. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, it really is like we said at the beginning. There, there are two parts of your marriage where you're, well, the underlying part is how committed are you to the marriage. And we were both all the way in we knew that divorce was not an option and um and so we were committed to working out whatever came out so there's the work of the marriage and there's the fun of the marriage Mm. and you've got to have the cake but you've also got to have the icing thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today we covered so much great information i hope you'll stay tuned and listen to us next week Uh, when we'll move on to part two. So thanks for being with us. For more information, you can find me at zantyler.com. Until next time, bye.